Lord, we just praise you tonight. We can't get enough of you, Jesus. Lord, we cannot get enough of you. Tell him that tonight, church. Say, Lord, I can't get enough of you in my life. I can't get enough of your mercy. I can't get enough of your grace. I can't get enough of your forgiveness. Oh, Lord, of your glory, of your presence, of your peace. Can't ever get enough of you, Jesus. And Lord, you're just like that. When you walk into the midst of a situation, you walk into the midst of a room, walk into the midst of our hearts, everything changes. Everything changes, Lord. And that's where we want to be. Right in the middle with you, Lord. Right in the middle with you. So, Lord, we pray that tonight. We pray that over people. Lord, that you'll be right in the middle of their life. Right in the middle of their mess. Right in the middle of their happiness. Whatever's going on in their life, Lord, we just pray you be right in the middle of it. We pray that over our families, Lord. Relatives. Friends. Associates, Lord. That you'd be right in the middle of their lives. Lord, we pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. They'd know you. They'd know the hope of the calling. They'd know you, Jesus. Lord, we pray over this nation. The Lord, this nation would come to know you. Lord, this nation would come to know you. This nation would come to know you, Lord. Lord, people would become hungry for you. They'd put down the foolishness of life, the fears, concerns, Lord, all the craziness. And they'd look to you, Jesus. Give you their hearts. I would praise you, Jesus. Lord, you're so amazing. And we believe you for this, Lord. And everybody just tell the Lord more time. Say, Lord, I want you right in the midst of my life. Come on, you at home, say the same thing. They say, man, I, Lord, say it out loud. This time, say, Lord, I want you right in the midst of my life. I want you right in the midst of everything going on, Lord. Woo! Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Is that y'all's heart tonight? You want Jesus right in the midst of everything? Come on. Man, he's the only one that makes any sense. Amen. Only one that makes any sense. Praise.
Praise God. Well, I'm glad y'all are here tonight. I'm glad y'all have tuned in. I'm glad y'all are in the service. Man, I'm glad this service is going around to all over the world. Millions of people everywhere thronging at their TVs, their computers and their iPads, iPhones, even Androids. Praise God. You know, I tell you what, there's nothing like the presence of God. And so I, I have something I want to share with you tonight that uh, I hope y'all are as excited about it as I am, and it blesses you like it did me. But um, praise the Lord. So get your Bibles out. And if you would, go to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. There you go. Verse 24. I want to share something with you tonight. And, and don't write it off, okay? You know, sometimes when, you're, when you're, uh, you're, you're listening, I know it's easy. Oh, yeah, I know that. And don't do that. Because if you do that, you're going to miss what the Holy Spirit's trying to speak to you tonight. Because I don't believe... That, that this message is just something simple, okay? I, I, God wants, is trying to speak to us deeper. And I want to talk about Moses here for a minute. You know, I was talking Sunday about having a slave mentality, a victim mentality, and, and, and living like that. And, you know, and that, that can be a lot of things. But I want to carry it on tonight a little bit different. And, you know, here's Moses. I mean, you, you got to look at it. I, I, I thought about doing a search right quick because this thought just hit me. But I would bet that Moses with Abraham is probably his name is mentioned more in the Bible than just about anybody because, he, you know, I mean, look what he did. And so here's a man. And let's just read it. Let's read it. Then I'll go into it. 1124. It says, by faith, you're talking about this is the Hall of Fame of faith. And they're talking about Moses here. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked to the reward. For by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." He endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. Least he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry, dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so were drowned. Now, here's Moses. Here's this guy. You know the story. You know, uh, the midwives were killing all the, the male children. And so uh, one of the midwives... You know, had Moses, she didn't know he was going to be a great man. She didn't know that he was called of God. She just knew he was a Jewish boy and she didn't want to kill him. And so they put him in the basket, right? Made this basket of reeds. I mean, just think about this. Ladies, how many of you would take your firstborn, put him in a basket and float him down the river? I mean, you know, you better be a pretty good boat maker if you're just even trying to float it just a little ways over there. I mean, you're going to put your baby in the, in the deal. And, and so he floats over there the... Pharaoh's daughter picks him up, 
They're watching the whole thing. They're in the reeds hiding, looking, saying, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's got him. Oh, yeah. So we wanted to get him. And so she's got him and takes him off and raises him. And then she, the mother goes and becomes the nurse to her son and raises him up, right? So she gets to love him. She gets to, 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 to dote on him and, and play with him and see him growing up and everything in Pharaoh's house, but he got all the pleasures. He's got everything that was in Pharaoh's house. Now, you got to imagine, Egypt at this time was the greatest nation on the face of the earth. I mean, they were, they were amazing. So all the modernness that could have been at that time, they had. So Moses, being at, in Pharaoh's house, I mean, he got it all. He got everything. He got all the pleasures that there were. But then, you know, the story, Moses sees an Egyptian uh, uh, beating up a uh, uh, an Israelite, and he goes over there and kills him and buries him in the sand, and then the next day somebody says something about it, and he gets scared, and he runs off, right? So I want to pick up the story now in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 3 about Moses. But I want you to remember that about Moses. Moses had everything. Moses had everything. He had all the, 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 the that Egypt offered. He had it at his disposal. He had the best clothes, the best shoes, the best horse to ride, the best, you know, whatever there was, the best food, the best whatever, he had it all. And so now he's in the wilderness, you know? And, uh, but there was something about Moses. And this is kind of a little side story, what always, what gets you, he killed the Egyptian, and then when he goes and he, he, he goes out and he sees the well, and he sees the girls coming up, and they're trying to water their sheep, and the other herdsmen are thrashing around, and he stands up, and says, hey, you ain't gonna do that. And I don't know what he does. It doesn't say he beat them all up. But, I mean, basically, he rolled the stone back, told them all to get out there and let the girls go up there and water their sheep. I mean, that's my paraphrase, right? But that's what happened. So he had some fight in him. So Moses was no little Nancy boy, right? And so anyway, then now he's out in the wilderness, in the desert, wandering around, taking care of the sheep. And then he comes up into this burning bush. And this is where I'm going to pick it up. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was attending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock uh, to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flaming fire in the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not being consumed. And Moses says, hmm, I think I'll go turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. Now, if, you, if you're a person who underlines your Bible, you need to underline that part. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside. Okay, so let me just put it like this. If Moses would not have said, why is the bush burning over there? I think it means consumed. That's kind of strange. I think I'm going to go over there and look at it. He would have never met God that day. Now, I'm not saying that in the, you know, divine providence of God, there wouldn't have been another bush in another day, but that day he would not have met God. Y'all with me? Because God was waiting to see if he turned aside. He didn't say, Moses, I am he who burneth in the bush over here. Come and see me. Right? So the bush is burning. But it was the curiosity of Moses that made him turn aside to say, look, I want to go over there and see. Why is this bush not being consumed? So then he gets up there. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, it's me. Here I am. Then he said, sorry, I lost my place. 
Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take the sandals from off your feet, for the place you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now stop right there for just a second. Okay, Israel had been in captivity in Egypt. Well, I don't know how long exactly they had, they had been in Egypt, 436 years. I don't know how long it was before they actually became slaves, but they had been there for 436 years from the time of, of uh, you know, Joseph and, the, and his father and all this comes, you know, so I don't know exactly the dates, but I'm just saying they've been there for 436 years. Okay. So a lot happens in 400 years. September the 6th, the Mayflower will, uh, will have been the, celebrated in 1620. So 400 years, America from the time of the Mayflower, we've changed a lot from the days of the pilgrims that landed at Plymouth Rock, right? I mean, just think about that. Our dress, our everything. 400 years, right? Okay, so that same change had taken place with the Israelites. Look, don't, don't think that, that God just got introduced when Moses went up on the mountain and got the Ten Commandments. You're, you're, you're forgetting Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You're forgetting all the other things that God did, how Abraham, who was the father of many nations, and all of that. See, all of Genesis took place before you get to Moses. So Israel was not without knowledge, but Israel had not served and worshipped God. Oh, listen to this message. So therefore they came into captivity. They became slaves. They were the mightiest nation on the face of the earth. When Joseph was there, they came into the land. They got the best of the land. They got the land of Goshen, the land, the best land. They became the herdsmen over all of Pharaoh's deals. At, this, at the point of Joseph and before his death, Israel came in there and they were it. But you know what's funny? <clears throat> 75 people. <laughs> there was not a million that came over with Joseph. 75. His brothers and all their family was 75 people. Go look it up. That's all it was, 75 people. The day that Moses delivers Israel from Egypt, they're estimating somewhere between four to six million people, counting women, children, everybody, in 400 years. Okay? But you know, they forgot God. They forgot the God of their fathers. Folks, listen to me. This nation, you just think back. I mean, I say this. I was born in 61, so what do I know? But you look back in the 50s. You re watch the movies of the 50s. You look back at anything. People, and they honored God. They went to church on Sunday. Okay? I mean, church was an important thing. God was an important thing in people's lives. During World War II, people prayed. Nation prayed. They got on their faces and prayed. They did things to pray. They talked about God, talked about everything. They, we, we knew God, in a sense, in the 50s, the 40s and the 50s. But then, you know, a nation starts to get away, just like these people did. They got away from serving God. They got away from knowing God until they ended up as slaves in bondage to Egypt. And they're being tormented and they're being persecuted. And it says right here, God said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people that are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because they're taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. 
So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egypt and to bring them up from that land to a good and a large land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hevites, and Jebusites. The Ite family is going to get moved out. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go up to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now stop right there for just a second. <clears throat> Moses says, Who am I? Because you know, he's, he's kind of got some victim mentality going on here. Like I preached about Sunday, he's getting down on himself. But if anybody knew the way back to Pharaoh's house, it was him. Hello? I mean, if, 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 if President Trump called me up right now and said, uh, you know, Dr. Richards, I'd, I'd really like you to come to Washington, come over here to the Oval Office, and I'd like to speak with you. I don't even know how to get there. <laughs> like, I'd have to make sure I didn't get a ticket to Washington State, right? I mean, I don't know which way. I mean, I know it's that way somewhere, you know? But I've never been to Washington. I've never been to the White House. I've seen a picture. I guess I'd recognize it if I was walking down the streets. Oh, look, it must be down there. So we didn't see it, you know? I mean, I, I, you follow me. I got no idea. Moses knew how to get to Pharaoh's house. He would have known the servants. He would have known the guard out front. He could have walked up and said, hey, Charlie. Hey, Bob. How y'all doing? You know, hello, Sam. Hello, Sally. How you doing? He knew them. But he freaks out. He said, I, who am I? So watch this. And so he said, I will, certainly, I will certainly be with you, and you shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. Now, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, listen to, what it, listen to the way God's speaking to him. There's no, there's no, it's, it may be difficult, uh, Moses, I think you can do it. He's like, okay, you're going to go back, you're going to go talk to Pharaoh, and then when you get all the people out of Egypt, you know, they're going to come up here to this mountain and going to meet with me. I mean, God's not worried. God's, God's not saying... Oh, how are we going to get past the coronavirus? Right? God's not, he just, God has a plan. He says, we're going to go. You're going to go back to Pharaoh's house. I mean, God makes it seem like he's just going to go up, knock on the door and say, hey, uh, Pharaoh, uh, God says, let my people go. And he's going to say, oh, okay, take them on out. And then we're just going to walk and how, I mean, think about it. Six million people. How are you going to get provisions, donkeys, horses, carts? I mean, I would, if I'd have been most, I'd have said, <laughs> I don't see how that's going to happen. Right? It wasn't like it was a walk across the street. Dealing with all the people. How are you going to get them convinced they're going to do it? How are you going to convince the elders and all that that, that, that you've heard God? You're just going to walk up and announce, I heard God. I was in the desert and I saw a bush that didn't burn. Everybody's like, oh, really? Right? A bunch of doubters and unbelievers and slave mentality. They ain't no way they're going to, they're going to just believe you. All right. So here we go. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Okay, stop right there before you go on. <laughs> Think about how many gods were in Egypt. Think about what Moses was raised in. Think about all the gods that are there. You know, they had gods that were over everything. God of the sea, a God of this, a God of that, a God of this. All the gods, all the deities, all stuff. Well, see, Israel had seen that too, and Israel had gotten kind of caught up in that. Because Israel was beginning to forget who their God was. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
So he says, look, I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell them, but they're going to say, what's his name? In other words, is it, I'm just throwing things out there, okay, because this is, was it Zeus? Is it Isis? Is it, you know, Neptune? Is it, you know, I'm just pulling things out of Greek mythology here, but, you know, y'all with me? And so can I tell them what your name is? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now, some translations trade it, Translated, I am what I am, and some translated, I am that I am. And he said to them, thus you shall say to the children, I am has sent me to you. Now, when we read this, this is one of the places in the English translation that we lose it. It is not impressive at all, all right? I mean, it would be just like saying, and what can I say, God, your name is? And he says, my name's Bert. Right? I mean, it'd just be unimpressive. I mean, it, uh, not that everybody out there, if your name's Bert, please forgive me, okay? But I'm just saying, it, you would, you know, some of the Philistines got ring, Dagon, you know, but I'm just saying, I am? It doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't compute because of the translation. All right? So, what I am, the word I am, what it means is, or it would be said, it means haya. You'll always remember it now. You will not forget it. The next time you're trying to break a one by four over two center blocks and you say, you will think of what your, this message. Seriously, that's the way you say it. H-A-Y-A-H. It's hi-yah. I mean, there's probably a in there somewhere, but I'm not getting, but. All right. Hi-yah. And it means literally to be, to be. It means become, it means exist. <laughs> Listen to this. Okay, you got to understand the way my brain thinks. You know, it is not quite normal, I will admit. And, and so I'm drinking coffee this morning, and I'm going over this message, and I'm talking to the Lord about it, and I'm just thinking about to be, you know. What does he mean, to be? And it, it just kind of hit me. It's just kind of funny because you remember how we used to always joke and say, oh, no, it be. You know, it be. No, it be. And slang vernacular, oh, no, it be. Is it really? No, it be, you know. In other words, God was saying to Moses, you go tell them that I am God. I am the God to be. I am always here. I am always eternal. I'm always existent. I am the God that when you're needing help, I be. When you're needing something, I am here. I am the God who is going to be here for everlasting from the beginning to the end. I am always there. I'm always God. I'm always going to be. I'm the God that when you say, I need help, I'll be. That's who I am. There is no other gods in competition with me. I'm not sitting up here on multiple thrones of, of you know, these other gods are kind of, you know, no, no, no. I am it. I am eternal. I always have been here. I am the God that always is, always will be, and always was. I be. I be here right now. I be. All right? Let me give you, let me give you another little verse here. Isaiah 44, 6. Let me help you sink this into your, into your 
spirit. Isaiah 44, 6. Now, i got to tell you this. You can go look it up. You can go do some research, but I don't want to get off on this. Okay, when he says, I am, the second time, that is where the word Yahweh, the word Jehovah, all comes from that word, okay, when they, they did it. It really kind of, it really kind of uh, amazes me because the Jewish leaders of the day thought that it was wrong when printing the Bible that to put the name of God, his name in there, who he was, it was too divine, it was too holy to be uttered by mere mortals like us. So therefore they agreed that you should never speak the name of God. Well, I don't know how they get that thinking, but you know, it's neither here nor there because it seems to me that if you knew what his name was and, and, and you could get hold of him, you might want to call him by his name and might want to be using it, not, not saying it. So there's a long, it's a, it's, a, it's a real complicated thing of how they took the name of Yahweh and then they, 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 they began to call it Adonai and then they, they took some vowels out of one and consonants out of the other and formed this word that didn't mean anything so that if anybody mistakenly read the word, then they would never actually literally have said it. They said the word that was wrong, okay? But anytime you find in your Old Testament that the word Lord is written, L-O-R-D, capitalized, all caps, that is that name they're referring back to, okay? So it says in Isaiah 44, 6, thus says the Lord, you notice it's all caps, the King of Israel, his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I'm the last, and besides me there is no God, he be. You see this? You see what I'm trying to get across here? Go to Psalms 90, verse 2. Psalms 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever, you had formed the earth and the world, even from the everlasting to everlasting, you were God. In other words, <laughs> always have been. I be. That's why he said, I am. In other words, I be, I am, I am it. There is nothing. I've always been here. I'm not just showed up. I'm not a new God. I didn't come in from outer space. I didn't just show up. I didn't just come up, up from the earth. No, no, no. I have always been. I created the heavens and the earth and all therein. I am God. I am be. All right? God is always there. He be. All right, here's another one. Psalms 139, verses 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. In other words, God's everywhere, right? So the world's saying, oh, well, God, you know, yeah, okay, this is, this is God and he's everywhere, right? He is. He be. But do you notice he did not be in Moses' life until Moses turned aside to go to the burning bush? Hear what I'm saying? Moses could have walked by. He could have looked at us and said, man, I ain't going to go up there and close that thing. That thing burning bush or something's not right up there. And took his little sheep and scattered them around the other side of the hill and missed God. You see, God's sitting here crying out today, well, the world turned to me. God's crying out right now, do you want to give up on communism? in the middle of China and do what the church over there that's exploding, the church in, in, in the, the, the evangelical church is exploding in underground places in China. People are being saved and evangelized and God's speaking of them. in the Muslim world. There are people having visions of Jesus and coming in this. People are being saved and God is there, but God is everywhere. Yes, but he's only there when you turn aside to him. Hear what I'm saying? 
right now, sitting here in this room, right now, we're in the presence of God. We're not in the presence of God because this building so special or because the chairs are so perfect or any of this nature. Right there in your home, God is right there with you because God be. He be everywhere. He always has been. He's why they call him the Ancient of Days. He always has been, and he always will be. When coronavirus is gone, when America no longer exists, when there was nothing on the planet here anymore, I want to tell you something, God will still be. Hello? Okay. He's not going to move in a person's heart until they turn aside. That's the pity of it. The pity of it, he's right there. He's right there. He's as close as the mention of his name. This amazing God, this loving God, this compassionate God, he's as close as the mention of his name. Just move into somebody's life, change life. He did mine. So many of you, he did too. He just came in and all of a sudden life has changed. Why? Because you connected with the great I am. The I am that I am became real to you And your life changed. It wasn't the great preaching. It wasn't the great evangelical meeting. It wasn't the the, how low you got in life. No, it was because you turned to him and all of a sudden I am became real to you. What the world needs to do is they need to open up their eyes and get hold of the great I am in their lives. Then all of a sudden coronavirus looks pretty small. Everybody look at the face mask and say, why did we were deceived and wear these stupid things? I said it. I'm not going to, listen to me, folks. Listen, you cannot put your faith in a thin mask made in China. Have y'all seen that video? Let me, help me, dear Lord, let me get back on this. But have y'all seen that video that they show over in India where they're making the mask? And they're just falling on the floor, and they're just making them. They're just all over the floor, and they're just getting them out as fast as they can. There's a guy scooping them all up, putting them in a den. I'm like, oh, man, you better read your labels. See, it came from there. It's really nasty. <laughs> Go to Romans 12, 3. But here's this great God, the I am that I am. He wants to move in everybody's life. He wants to just come in there and explode into people's lives and just come in the one that's always, I mean, he's been around forever, and he knows everything. Romans 12, 3 says, For I say through the grace that was given to me, everyone who is among you, everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to everyone, everyone, to each one, to everyone a measure of faith. Every human being created on the face of this earth has this thing called a measure of faith on the inside of them. They have a measure of faith. You're born with it, a measure of faith. All right? You can't cut on the inside of you and find it, but it's in there. It's in your, it's in your spirit, man. It's in, connected with your soul and connected even with your brain. Faith, the measure of faith to believe in I am that I am. So you actually have the switch on the inside of you to flip on that will connect with I am. But if you don't flip the switch on, even though I am is here, you don't make any connection. If you say sometimes, man, I just feel so dry, I just feel like the Lord's forsaken me, God hadn't forsaken you. I am that I am is all around you. You just haven't put the switch on. You haven't stopped and got in fellowship with him. You've been busy, you've been distracted, you've been by, you know, going around over or whatever, and, 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 and you, you've just not put your thoughts and become mindful of him. 
Now, Dr. Brown, when he preached here two Sundays, last Wednesday, no. Was it last Wednesday you preached? Okay, and he talked about mindfulness. And, and, you know, you're just not being mindful of God. You're not, you're not stopping. You're living in the past or you're living in the present, but you're not living in the now in order to touch I am. And it's not God's fault because he always is and he's always there. I am that I am is always around you everywhere. Have you noticed that, and, and everybody's different, but, you know, like right now when it's so hot, if you'll get up about 6.30 in the morning go outside, it's another world. It's another world. It's like you're on a different planet. Because if you go out there at 4 o'clock, it's another planet too, right? But at 4 o'clock, it's hard to touch heaven, seems to me. Because I'm wiping the sweat out of my eyes and I'm feeling this oppressive heat. It feels like it's all around me and smothering me. And I'm not thinking about heaven. I'm thinking about how hot it is. And it's very hard for me to pray when it's 102, 3. I, I just don't get it, into it, right? I'm trying to drink water. I'm just, you know, I've tried it. it just, it's just difficult. But at 6.30, you can walk outside. It's like another world. Birds are chirping. Deer are running. Everybody's happy. Everybody's got their tail up. They're like this. And it's like, oh, man, God, you're everywhere. Well, what's the difference? Well, one of them is distracting me. The heat in the evening is distracting me to where in the morning I'm there, but I am that I am was there at four o'clock. I just having a hard time making a connection because I can't get myself focused because I'm trying to stay cool, right? He never leaves. He's always there. He's always right there with you. No matter where you are, driving your car, sitting in your house, going into this business, going in whatever, and no matter what goes on, if you could get, if you could get this, and get this message down your heart that you could stop right in the midst of chaos and begin to call upon I am. Then the peace of God will settle on you. The wisdom of God, everything that he is would begin to move in you. It's are you going to not get distracted? Are you going to turn aside and look at the burning bush? Each and every one of us have the measure of faith in us. Now look at this. Mark eleven twenty two. I want to wrap it up in this tonight. Mark eleven twenty two. 22. I've preached this story so many times. I know y'all know it, so I'm not going to go over it all. But Jesus is, you know, going uh, to Jerusalem. He's in Bethany. He sees, he sees a fig tree. He wants to get some fruit off of it, he wants to get a fig, and it's, it doesn't have any fruit. He curses it. The next day they come by, the fig tree's dried up. Peter says, whoa, man. What happened here? The fig tree's completely dead. It's all dried up. It's all, it's all gone. And Jesus says, Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. So let me just do a Robert Richards paraphrase there. Flip the switch of faith inside of you on to I am. Listen to me. Can you see this? Can you even imagine this vision? All of our Congress comes together for like a state of the union. And, you know, the last one was just pathetic, just, just no respect and people just, you know, whatever. Can you imagine them all come down and get on their knees and pray? Can you imagine that they call for Bethel worship to come there or whatever, some big worship team to come in there and they did worship? And that we saw our, our senators, congressmen, all our, our justices, everybody in the whole nation right there leading a, 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 a nationwide 
uh, television program of them worshiping God. Can you imagine that? They invited I am. Do you think everything would just, I guarantee you, everything would just start lining up? Everything would just change? They said, oh, well, we can't do that because we might offend somebody else over there. And we can't do this. Oh, my gosh, we, that, that's just ridiculous. You could never do something like that. If you want to know how to fix everything, that's, what I, that's how you do it. Amen. Oh, but who are we going to do? We're going to have a Presbyterian leader. We're going to have a Methodist leader. We're going to have the, you know, a Baptist leader. We're going to get an evangelical order. Who's going to do that? No, no. What if you just worship God? And then they get down to what song we're going to sing. Oh, we can't sing that song. Oh, that's a, that's a traditional Baptist. It might offend the Methodist. And we got to go no, no, no. I mean, just come on, folks. You just fell down and you just worship God. I'll oh, tell you, this nation would turn around in a heartbeat. In a second, you would see everything just line. You would be, it would just be unbelievable because then they would be inviting I am into the midst of the chaos and then he will straighten it all out. So he says, have faith in God. For surely I say to you that whosoever says this mountain be thou removed and cast in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask and you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. So in other words, he's saying your faith connected to the God who to it to be or the God that be your faith connecting to the God that be I am. will bring about whatever's needed. Why? Because he's everywhere. And so many people have said to me, well, pastor, I've been praying. I prayed and, you know, I didn't really see anything happen. Pray again. Do not give up because I'm telling you, I am is right there in your midst. You're just not making contact. You had not made the connection. You haven't quite got that battery post cleaned off good enough to get you a good charge. It's a little crusty. You know, when I was a kid, and this is a true story. When I was a kid growing up, my father carried a can of Coke with him all the time. Coca-Cola, not Coke, Coca-Cola. And... Because we always had problems in the winter starting all the tractors because they have multiple batteries in them and all the connections. And he used Coke all the time to clean the acid off of battery connections. And I never drank a Coke in my life. I, after that, I'd say, that stuff, eat that, bat, foam up like that. I ain't putting that stuff in me. I'd never drink it. I just was horrified. I was just like terrified of it. I didn't want it to get on me. I was like, what? And just bubble and fizz all up, you know, right? This is the old stuff, right? Still use it today. Yeah. Yeah. Clean it right up. Just clean it right up. Okay. So it's like, it's kind of like that with you. Because I'm telling you, I am is there. The power is there in that battery to make it start. You just got to get the connection right. And maybe it's gotten corroded with all the frilly things of the world. Hello? Maybe it's gotten corroded with worries and fears and all that, and it's gotten all that corrosion all over, and you just got to get some Holy Ghost Coke and get poured over there and get that battery twisted around, and you know you need, that bra- you need the Holy Ghost to come in there with that little uh, bristle brush and begin to work on you a little bit. You say, I like my plaque. I like it built up on me. I kind of like this. No, you need that knocked off of you so you can get a good juice of Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Turn loose of a few things. Quit being distracted. Folks, listen to me. This, the, the distractions right now are just over the top. <clears throat> I got to tell you the new one. This is where it's all going to break. This is where we're going to go right in the middle of war. Civil war is going to break out because I, I saw this. 
Now they're saying it's your air conditioner that's causing coronavirus. I was like, yeah, you come out here and start telling everybody you got to shut their AC off. Boy, you're talking about war, man. It's 102 outside. Ain't nobody going for that one. You're not going to work. That's it. That'll draw the line right there. They'll slam the hammer down on that one. I thought to myself, who, who would even print that? Right? Y'all with me on that one? Drew the line. Cut off the AC. Sit in the house and wear your face mask. That'll be because you're sweating so much that the coronavirus cannot attach to you. It will be washed off. Okay? But what I'm saying to you tonight, church, is we've got to get people to understand I am. We've got to get all of our friends, our relatives, everybody around you to understand I am, that God is right there. He's right there. You've got to switch that faith on. You've got to turn the switch on. You've got to make the connection. And if it's switching on and nothing's happening, well, then there's some corrosion there. You've got to get it off. You've got to get rid of those idols. You've got to get rid of that junk. You've got to get rid of that stuff. Get it all cleaned off so you can get a connection. Because I'm telling you, when you switch on to I am, miracles happen. Now, was it easy for Moses? No. He went back. Pharaoh didn't listen to him. You know, had all the different things that he went through. And it took them all out there. They thought they were all going to get killed. The whole army's coming at them. The angel of the Lord's there. But then the Red Sea parts. It wasn't all easy. And I'm not telling you it's going to just be easy. But I'm telling you, I know what the answer is. It's getting I am in your life. Amen? So, think about what I preached tonight. Don't write it, don't write it off. Start seeing how good your connection. Maybe you got some battery terminals that need to be clean. Maybe you need to, you know, get to pouring some Holy Ghost anointing oil on you and get the junk off so you can get a good connection. But that's the answer, amen? Amen. So I'll tell you what, I want you to stand up. I'm going to pray over you. Those that you out there watching, listening, I just want you to understand, man, God is with you. He is the I am that I am. He's the beginning and the end. He's always been here, always will be. And I want you to understand that right there in your home, right now, you can cry out to him. Right now, you can t- flip that switch of faith on on the inside of you. You can have faith in God, and you're going to watch what God will do in your midst. Don't be full of fear. Don't panic. Don't worry about what's coming down the road, because I'm telling you, God is down the road already. Hear what I'm saying. He's already been at the beginning. He's already at the end. He's everywhere in your life and every step that you'll take. Some of you are worried about the future and what's going to happen, but I'm telling you, God's got it. Just get in the middle of I am, and you don't have to worry about the future. The future's going to take care of itself. So I want to pray over you tonight. Those of you out there listening and watching, listen, grab hold of this right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over each and every person. I pray, oh, Lord God, that this nation would come to a place that they would turn their hearts to I am that I am. Lord, that they would turn to the great I am and get them in their hearts. They'd flip on the switch of faith and they would begin to see you and behold you, Jesus, like they've never seen before. Behold the, the, the one who always is, always was, and always will be. Jesus, you stood up and you told them in John 8, 58, you said, they want to know who you were, and you said, I am. In other words, you said, you're, you're him. You're him. And so, Lord, right now, tonight, we just thank you that you made a way for us. You made a way for us. 
So, Lord, we grab hold of it. Lord, we want all the crust knocked off of us. We want all the battery cables and connections clean. We want to have a full charge of the Holy Ghost in our life. We want to walk with you. We want to live with you. We want to be right there with you. So, Lord, we just declare tonight we repent of distractions. We just repent of getting off and just declare, Lord, we're going to work. Man, we're going to blaze forward with you in these days ahead because you're so good and you're so awesome. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.